Well, no. My God. What? <laughs> um, Such professionalism. Get stuffed. Uh, so that was um, Lutie. Lutie? I don't know. Just loot with an E on the end. Loot with an E on the end. Your side of the bed. I have a funny story about that. Oh, I don't want to hear it, Al. <laughs> a friend of mine woke up oh. one morning with a strange man in her bed and she'd pooed. Oh, ow! She'd gotten so drunk that she'd brought in some randy home and she'd pooed in the bed. And so, well, and in order to deal with this situation, what she did was she got out of the bed, ran to the other side, and she rolled the guy into <laughs> it and then woke him up and said, Look what you did! Get out of my house! <laughs> you know what? Out of an incredibly mortifying situation, that is probably the correct way of dealing with it. Yeah, and that's a him or me situation. Yep. I think she made the right call. I think frankly, she, did. she, I think she, she did. dealt with a number of problems more in power, one go. More power to her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Smart lady. Well, I'm not going to name check her on the air, but, you know, don't. if you're listening, Lise, hey. We've all um, been there, haven't we? <laughs> so relatable, the stories on this show. I've never pooed the bed. Great. <laughs> Let's not, keep that That's not a thing that's going. ever happened to me. Let's keep that going, shall I, we? I don't drink. Good. I don't drink. I and, quit drinking. And, nor and should thankfully, you. I quit drinking before I got so drunk that I actually <laughs> soiled my oh, own bed. Gosh. <laughs> How did it? How did it come to feces so quickly? Now look, there's no rails. There are no rails. This is, you know, coming up in the show. Um, oh. <laughs> the car oh thing is on. There it is. All right, coming up in the show. <laughs> yeah. Very quiet that's, crickets by the sounds of it. That's that's where we are this week. We okay. don't have a running sheet. It's movie groove, fresh and steaming. Yeah. Um, there really isn't, I don't know if there is any movie news to speak of. Why don't you have the internet open in front of you? Uh, because this is your show, Al, <laughs> and I trust that's something you do. But you produce. No, I you don't. You know, produce something. We know that I don't. Produce something other than bad breath, please. Uh, um, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I resent that. Um, okay. Well, look, it is the start of the show, and what we usually do is talk about movies that we've seen in the intervening thing. Um, uh, have you seen any movies in the intervening thing? <laughs> no. 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 Okay. Well, um, I saw a movie. Did you? Yes, actually. I saw a movie that I've been looking forward to see for a while. Well, thank God one of us did. Um, because it was on the list, mm. um, downloaded and paid for. Okay, good. I promise. Um, it was called uh, Birds of Prey and the oh, emancipated, okay. the fabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. And how did how was it, Al? It mm. wasn't very good. Right. It wasn't very good. It was trying to be different, and uh, and I give full credit for them to at least trying to do that. And I'm not really sure where the fault lies. It doesn't lie with Margot Robbie. She really sold it. And I know that a lot of people have seen it and they really, really loved it. Um, I can't help wondering if people loved it because they just thought, finally, something for me. You know? A movie where a group of women do something other than talk about men. Well, maybe that was it. Uh, maybe because it was so refreshing that but, people just uh, saw it with endearing eyes. Because I felt like that was a lot of the appeal of Black Panther, because everybody was raving about Black Panther being a game changer. And as far as I could see, the only game change was that it had a, a black-led cast, which for some reason must have been astonishing. But I was watching a movie and I thought, yeah, it was all right. Mm. Some of the special, you know, the special effects really pulled me out of it because uh, in production, a lot of the special effects were rushed and so therefore it just didn't sell. Are we talking about Black Panther or? That's Black Panther. Um, right. Harley Quinn, I'm not really sure what the problem was there, but yeah, um, it was trying to do a whole bunch of different things at once, and then mix them together. 
and uh, and it just didn't seem to work. Was it's it some... enjoyable at least? No. Oh. <laughs> no, it was it was boring. Oh. Um, uh, I watched it with Kate, and we just sort of like, why isn't this more fun? Oh, do you? And like I said, it wasn't Margot Robbie. She carried the movie, um, and it needed carrying. Uh, her performance is absolutely fantastic. She really sells it. She is Harley Quinn now. What about the uh, ca- the other characters, the other, the other female-led uh, Well, there's uh, Renee Montoya, played by oh, Latino actress whose name has slipped my memory. Um, she was in uh, uh, that movie that everybody loves from <laughs> DreamWork Entertainment about the two guys, Road to El Dorado. Oh, okay. She's the, yeah. Um, what is that actress's name? Anyway. Um, yeah, she's been in a million things. She played Detective Renee Montoya. And um, yeah, the characters I felt, the performances are fairly strong, but the characters themselves, I don't know if it was direction or script, just seemed kind of interchangeable. Renee Montoya is a detective who's really tough, hard as nails, um, openly legibity. Mm-hmm. You know, they say that, oh, here's the DA. There's a female uh, Asian DA, and they go, this is the DA. It's also her ex. This is a problem for her. And her boss is a dick. Um, uh, yeah, so she's hard as nails. She's good at her job. Her boss is a dick. And then there's... Uh, so that's Rosie Perez. Yeah, Rosie Perez. Thank you very much. Uh, Black Canary, uh, played by a young actress who I'm not familiar with. She's really good at her job as a nightclub singer, but her boss is a dick. Um, and then there's... Uh, Ma- Mary Elizabeth Winstead, she's in Mary it. Elizabeth Winstead. She's, she's she's quite good. I like She's quite she's good. Done. She doesn't have a lot to do in this. She just shows up, kills people and leaves again, and we don't actually get to talk to her until the beginning of the third act. Right. And it's like, yeah, hi, I'm an assassin. Okay, good. Do you want to be our friend? Yes, I do. That's basically it. Oh, well, she's a woman of, you know, few Look, words. The film is a mess. Tonally, it's all over the place. Sometimes it wants to be a comedy, mm-hmm. and it kind of is, but then the next minute it wants to be a gritty crime drama where uh, Rosie Perez's character is talking to Black Canary and saying, like, you know, you used to, you know, I knew your mother. And she said, yeah, you knew my mother and you let her die. And I thought it, it's, it was like an episode of NYPD Blue, so tonally it didn't fit. And the bad guys, no, here's the thing. Oh, all gosh, the, all the mayor characters were entirely disposable. This is fine. There are lots of male-led action movies that have entirely disposable female uh, characters, right? Um uh, Mad Max 2 is a good example. It's an exceptional action movie, but the female characters in that do literally nothing other than raise the stakes to the male characters by either being hopelessly naive or brutally murdered or both. That's all they do. Mm-hmm. So that's not a problem. It's just that you just didn't buy it. Ewan McGregor plays the bad guy Black Mask, and he's just a crazy arsehole. Mm. Sometimes he's a happy crazy arsehole, and sometimes he's a vicious crazy arsehole, and totally it doesn't fit. They even had that scene that you've seen in a million B-movies from the 70s and the 80s to prove that bad guy is bad, where he makes some random woman who isn't a character stand on a table, strip off and dance for his amusement because he's in a bad mood. Yeah, right. And and it, it just seemed sort of really cheap and crappy. And I don't know if they were trying to do that as a, an homage or a comedy bit or whatever. But yeah, um, but, but uh, it sort of looked like a superhero movie in bits. It was very colorful some places. Some places it was just ugly. Um, That's what I found about the color palette with hmm. both Suicide Squad and this. Yeah. It's... I don't know what it is, but the poster design or the aesthetics, the colour palette that I was getting was so jarring. I was like, that's hideous. Well, they kind of went like, you know, the gritty realism thing isn't working for DC, so let's make it colourful. And they made Suicide Squad very, very colourful and everybody wanted to see it. So they went, well, you know, using 
move, using marketing logic. Oh, colourful equal audience. Okay, next movie also colourful. Yeah, but um, they went colourful, but also kind of emo. Like, you know, those kids that, like, you know, when, you know, that, that hair dye came out mm. in the early 2000s where it was like all the bright colours and you could just bleach your hair blonde and then put, you know, fudge colours in your hair. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's basically that. Mm -hmm. Just on screen. So, um, so it does have that, but it's not a, there's, there's one superpower in it. Mm. Of the five main characters, Harley Quinn is just an exceptional thief whose boss is a dick. So yet another not very complex character. Um, at what um, point in Harley Quinn's story are we? Has she developed any mental issues at all? She's just broken up with the Joker and she's heartbroken. And that is the first half of the movie. Right. And I don't know if the original intention was to tell the story in one straight line. They may have decided this is kind of boring. Let's chop the story up and tell it out of order. And we'll put a voiceover narration by Harley Quinn in order to add some context. And so it does that thing like, no, no, we have to stop at this part of the story and go back to when I broke up with Mr. J. Oh, God. But you don't actually see that. In a traditional movie, that would have been the first act. Her and the Joker are doing a job and then he betrays her and then she decides that she's had enough and she's heartbroken. Right. But they can't do that in the movie because that would mean putting Jared Leto in it. So they just do that in the opening sequence in animated form and then start with her sitting in her flat being miserable and, you know, freebasing cheese whiz. Um, and, uh, yeah, and she's, and everybody wants to kill her. Now that she's no longer under the protection of Joker and she's pissed a lot of people off, everybody wants to kill her. That's literally the first half of the movie. And then it's like they went, we need a plot. Okay, diamond. Mm. So bad guy, di bad guy has a diamond, gives diamond to other bad guy. Um, little girl pickpockets diamond. Bad guy wants little girl who has diamond. And Harley decides to protect little girl. And right. that's the plot, which doesn't start happening until halfway through the movie. Oh, okay. You know? Mm. And like I said, Ewan McGregor is, uh, he's a very, he doesn't sell it at all as the bad guy. And basically it's just a rich arsehole mm. who at the end puts a black mask on for no reason whatsoever. And his offsider, Victor Zaz, who, like in the comics, is just an insane psychopath who puts a scar on himself every time he kills somebody. So he's got lots of scars. Ooh, and at the what end, what a character trait! Yes, and then, <laughs> um, and then uh, lots of very balletic action, mm. which isn't especially interesting. And it's well shot and it's well choreographed. But yeah, again, um, it was a similar experience when I was watching Cowboys and Aliens, where I felt like this feels like it should be a lot more fun, and I'm bored. Okay. So Sounds like it's well made, but also sounds like it's highly forgettable. I mean, there's a million different things that can go wrong with that. It might be editing. It might have been the director's fault. I don't know. I haven't seen Kathy Ann's other work. Um, it might be that uh, the director handed in a very competent movie and then, you know, a male studio execs went like, well, we have to fix this now. Well, are we surprised <laughs> at all out of a DC movie that this is this is the case Al. They just keep screwing the pooch. They just don't even when they make a lot of money they still make bad like movies. Like Mar Marvel seems to have I don't know gotten some sort of magic sauce with their formula. Yeah. Their DC they're still working it out. Ever twas it thus. In the 60s it was the same with the comics. Marvel were the ones who were you know they were selling all the properties and they were doing really well and DC were constantly playing catch up. Yeah. And they didn't know what it was that Marvel had. And there must have been some kind of magical formula that Steve, Stan Lee, I should say, wrote down somewhere and then gave to your man, um, Paul Feig, uh, not Paul Feig, Kevin Feige. Right. 
and said, right, that's the magical formula. As mm. long as you ABC, then this will work. Yeah, it's the secret herbs and spices, Al. Hmm. But anyway, that's uh, that's Harley Quinn and the fabulous thingamy thingamy thingamy. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, watch it. You might really enjoy it. I didn't. That doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that um, I may have... Uh, Watch too many movies oh, by this maybe, stage. Maybe I have that a lot where I go like, "Oh, they're doing this thing, are we?" Okay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's the movie review for this week. And so after this song, which is called "Breakup Song," we'll come back and we'll do something else. I don't know what that'll be, but it will be something else. Oh, a surprise! One hundred Groove Radio. Oh, that was Zane or Zion. Um, I think it's Zion. It's Zane, for God's sake. Well, <laughs> Ask any 15-year-old girl who listens to One Direction. If you're a 15-year-old girl, don't call in, because I don't need any more trouble with the police. Oh, um, anyway, that was Trampoline, featured, featuring Shade or Shyed. Oh, God, here we go. Well, I don't know these people. Moving on, moving on. Okay, look, um, young people. There's a chance that I'll get COVID-19, and being the age I am, there's a strong <laughs> chance that it'll kill me. So, you know, if this show just isn't on anymore, and you do actually listen regularly, and I don't know, you know, why you would. Um, uh, yeah. Um, uh, welcome back to Movie Groove, where we've got all the news in movies um, that there is, <laughs> apparently... <laughs> Oh, look, <laughs> and um, there isn't much. I'm not afraid. a lot happening at your local movie theater. No, but uh, but I... a lot of celebrities are taking to the social media, Al, and it's very interesting to see just what they get up to. <laughs> it's just... I don't. I love what Arnie's doing personally. I um, haven't seen what Arnie's doing. What is he doing? Oh, check him out on Instagram. He's great. He's got. He's like. He's got a little pony, like a pet pony, mm -hmm. and so there's just videos of him wandering around the house. Uh, encouraging you to wash your hands and do your workout. Yeah, I remember to wash your hands. Yeah, I'm I'm washing my hands because I'm touching my pet pole. Yeah, and he and he like he tells you to do your workout, and yeah. he's like he's like you don't have to have the gym equipment. You just lift. You lift the heavy things. You lift buckets of water. That's right. You lift. And as I said, when I was in the movie uh, uh, pumping iron, yeah. uh, I when I'm lifting to weights. Yeah, I have the same feeling as I'm coming. And so Ew. I am coming all the time. Ow, That's what, what he said you, in the movie. That, that was so a mainstream gross. movie where he said that lifting weights are so good. I, I had the same feeling as coming. So oh, when I'm working out, I'm coming and coming all the time. Al, you always have to make it gross. I like what Arnie's doing <laughs> on Instagram. I think it's great. He's <laughs> telling you to lift your groceries and I just think it's, and he's got a little pony and he's feeding his pony all the time. I'm and the ponies my, in the house, Al. I'm feeding my pony house. and doing my workout and coming and coming. You're disgusting. <laughs> He's. I'm just quoting the man. I'm quoting him, Arnold Schwarzenegger, one of the most respected celebrities in the face of the planet. He was governor still, of California. Still makes you disgusting. Isabel That's Lucas your is also using her social media for weird things. Who's um, Isabel Lucas? I don't know these people. Oh, look, is she, she younger than 50? You've seen her in a bunch of Australian films. She's pretty much Such in as? every Australian film. Like, name an Australian film. Uh, Crocodile Dundee. I'm sure she would have been in Brick and Morant, The Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith. Sure. Let's, yeah. <laughs> Picnic at Hanging Rock. She's was most she in notably that? known for being on Home and Away, though, so you may oh, know God. her Oh, God. What Australian actress hasn't been on Home and Away? <laughs> I know. Are there know, any right? actors, Australian actors, working in Hollywood who weren't on Home and Away? It's like, oh, oh we need know. somebody for this movie. Turn on Australian television. Good one. We'll look at that show that they do. Oh, there's someone pretty. Mm. Yeah. What's his name? Oh, it's... Um, oh, uh, get shot. <laughs> Jack, oh, Courtney. Mm. 
as Captain Boomerang. Oh anyway. my God, the the deep well that DC had to pull from, and they went with Captain Boomerang. Well, anyway, she has uh, swiftly parted ways with a charity that she was partnered with mm. uh, because of her views on vaccination. Um, she is, what are her views on vaccination? Well, she's been promoting a whole bunch of weird stuff on her social media, such as the whole 5G conspiracy. Oh, 5G is bad. Take 5G your is supposedly spreading COVID. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as well. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean... Is it a coincidence that 5G and COVID just kind of rolled around at the same yeah, time? No, 5G, now? it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you COVID. Mm. It's, uh, it's going to be watching you day and night. It's going to sneak into your bedroom when you're sleeping and stick its finger in your butthole. Ow. My God, you were just foul today. You Honestly, <laughs> you were dis- you just making me vomit in you're my You're my mouth. producer. This is all your responsibility. It really isn't. I, have no, I take no responsibility for anything that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> Or goes into it. Um, now, so thank goodness she, for that. <laughs> she was recently announced as the ambassador for girls' rights for charity Plan International Australia. Yeah. That happened about less than a month ago. But anyway, so her most recent thing on Instagram about um, kind of, she was basically just saying, be very wary of, you know, a COVID vaccine. Yeah. Um, because of X, Y, Z. Yeah, because it'll probably um, cause autism. Mm. I mean, they already had this other vaccine that already causes autism, but they want to make doubly sure that everybody's children gets autism. She basically just says that she goes, I don't trust the path of vaccination. Um, and so that charity kind of went, oh, well, let's distance ourselves from that, shall we? It's all this big um, government paranoia. I mean, I know that they're monitoring my internet. I don't care. I'm mm. not using it for anything unusual. <laughs> I'm I think, not. I think if anyone needs their internet tracked, it's probably you, Al. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have, you know, you know how like everybody's got that. Um, what's that freely available virus checking software that everybody has? Is it AV? Well, you name it. There's AG, AVG. AVG, right. So everybody's yeah. got either AVG or Norton's. Mm. I pay a considerable amount of money every year to have actual proper internet protection on my computer because as a former IT professional told me, mm. you have a demonstrated need for this. <laughs> but but seriously, no unusual. Like the most unusual thing I've used it for is a. Um, I don't want to know. Very late, very late in the know. game. I had to try VR porn. Oh, ow, my god! And Why I have, do to, we have say, to have this conversation. I have to say that it it's genuinely a brand new low. Great. In my life, fantastic. Um, I never thought I could feel guilty and wrong. Oh, let <laughs> I mean, us know what your local celebrity is doing on social media. If you've seen anything weird, feel free to tweet us and also direct your hate mail and complaints to care of Alistair Lockhart. It's the care of uh, Radovan Kluzicek. Uh, <laughs> Do you have any movie news? Um, okay, I do have some. <laughs> I do have some movie news here of a sort. Um, as always, we do start each and every show with a look at the entertainment news from all around the galaxy. This is, of course, as always, a news hope. And first off, box office news. And believe it or not, we do have some. Oh God! Um, at number one in the domestic. <laughs> Um, the is domestic. That, is it that one indie flick still <laughs> that somehow managed to make three thousand dollars? No, no, I'm afraid it's been knocked off the oh, top spot. No, that was a short-lived win for them. That's terrible. They must be so disappointed that they're no longer the number one movie in the U.S. box office. Um, domestically, this week the number one hit was a movie called Swallow. 
Probably not what you think. I'm not even going to say anything. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. If it was that kind of movie, it would have a much more specific title. Um, so Swallow is a movie about a young housewife who, right. uh, in a seemingly perfect marriage, develops Pika. P-I-C-A. Which is the irresistible urge to ingest inedible objects and material. <laughs> what a weird condition. Yeah. Um, I don't have a clip, unfortunately. Well, anything. thankfully, because and, uh, <laughs> I so, can't imagine it would be... Uh... So that stormed to the number spot in the domestic uh, box office in the US with $1,710 worth of ticket sales. What is this movie? Like, who are these theatres? that are showing films at this point. Hmm. Isn't that... Uh, I'm not really sure. Irresponsible. Um, maybe they're just... Uh, <laughs> maybe they, you know, they, they only let 12 people in at a time and they, you know, and all of the seats that are allowed to sit in are marked and yeah, you know, maybe. marked with a red ticket. I mean, it's not impossible, I suppose. It's not impossible as long as you follow the rules and it probably goes on fine. But somebody out there has decided, but, I'm keeping my business open, otherwise my children don't get to eat. Do and, the US have the same... Uh, kind of, lo- they're not in a, like a, a lockdown, are they? Like their their citizens are able to move freely now. Is that well, right? they, I mean, they are recommending that people stay in their homes. There was um, a, a massive protest in Ohio, I believe it was yesterday, mm. um, where people um, stormed the governor's, you know, the town hall to. What city was it? Ohio. Well, I hope the they were maintaining their one point five meter distance. What's the capital city another? of Ohio? I don't know. Cleveland. Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, I think you're right. I only know that from the Drew Carey show. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Drew Carey. You taught us something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, so they stormed the governors, um, the houses of the chambers of whatever sure. in Ohio to demand that businesses be reopened. Mm. A lot of red hats in the crowd. Yeah, I'm sure they would be. We don't like big government being told. I mean, this it, it's really something about America. I remember the uh, the historian Shelby Foote saying, um, if you need to understand the American psyche at all, you need to understand the Civil War in order to gain such an understanding. Right. And basically, it's a country founded on people who emigrated there because they got sick of being told what to do. And they were told, in this country, you can get a plot of land and do whatever you like. And nobody, nobody can come on your plot of land and tell you to do anything different. Yeah. Right? And so everybody lives in America, the descendants of those people. And they still have that get off my lawn <laughs> attitude, you know? Whereas, I mean, yeah, they, there's, uh, they do value their freedoms. And, and the Republican so... Party has been selling themselves on the end to big government thing. where like, we're not going to have government regulators mm. telling you what to do. And that message has held for a long time. And now the MAGA hatters are, you know, they're storming the governor's house to say, look, you've told us to close our businesses. We don't like it. We're losing money. You know, we want these businesses reopened. And, uh, you know, whether it causes more death or not, who knows? They may all, they may get their way uh, because President Trump certainly wants the stock market to go up. That's how he gauges his, uh, mm. his success level. Yeah. Well, obviously, there are some movie theatres that are still open and showing random films that normally you would not see at the number one spot. In there the certainly office. is. I mean, um, unusually, Swallow is not a new release. It's got the number one spot, but it's been open for six weeks. It's already taken a massive 28,000 
and $79 wow. in receipts. I wonder what the production budget was. <laughs> I wonder if they've made... They, they haven't listed a budget here. No. Uh, and, the, uh, and the movie in the number two spot, in number two, oh, storming no... up to the number two spot in only its second week of release, is The Other Lamb. It's seen an 18.3% increase by taking $1,413 wow. to take it to a total gross of 3483 Ah, oh, well done, everyone. In the other the land. The film industry is alive and kicking. Uh, alive, kicking, maybe not <laughs> so much. Um, uh, in the other land, a young woman born into an all-female cult. They're, ne- they're rarely all-female cults. There's usually a bloke there somewhere. Yeah. Going like, praise Jesus and by the way. What was the one in... Uh... <laughs> praise Jesus and visit my tent. What was the one in Midsummer? Um, I didn't see Midsummer. Midsummer, no. Yes, but like if you're, if you're joining, a, if you're a young woman and you're thinking of joining a cult, yeah, there's going to be obligations, trust oh, me. Look, it's not That's great... why guys start cults. It's not a great time to <laughs> join a cult anyway. No, <laughs> no, hell no. Um, anyway, uh, so she she's born into an all-female cult and begins to question the teachings of her leader, which is something that will happen if you're part mm-hmm. of a cult. You will eventually say to yourself, wait a minute, <laughs> praise Jesus and visit my tent. Those two things don't fit together. Well, I'll just look at Jonestown. Mm, oh, no, Jonestown. Mm. There's nothing funny about Jonestown. No. Nothing. No. 1,000 people and only two of them thought, you know what, maybe I won't drink the Kool-Aid. Mm. <laughs> Anyway, um, so that's that's all there is in movie releases. Um, but we do have other news. What a fun time! Fun time indeed. Yeah. Um, in other news, uh, I believe uh, Paris Jackson is to play Jesus in a new movie. Yes, Paris Jackson, the daughter of Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. is all grown up, mm. and uh, and she's in a brand new movie. Apparently, is this a biblical movie? Well, like, is it a is it a uh, Passion of the Christ affair? Like, what are we talking about? Well, apparently she's playing alongside Bella Thorne, who is another, who is another person that I don't know. Mm. Uh, she's playing the role of Jesus in the upcoming movie Habit, right? Which has already been filmed. Is so... it a character called Jesus, or is this is she? She's playing Jesus. 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 Like Jesus. Christ. Maybe she's a dream Jesus. Is it Jesus Christ. Uh, well, when somebody when it says you're playing Jesus, and then don't. You know, it is like, you know, one would assume Christ. Jesus de Costa, mm. a gardener, <laughs> a gardener from from East L.A. No, it's Jesus, probably the Jesus, oh, presumably okay. right. unusual for a, for a lady to playing Jesus. They get upset when you do anything other than the white guy with the beard. And now they're doing it as a lady. This is bound to kick some uh, some hornet's nests over there in, uh, in conservative well, United States. Well, it's bound States. to get the movie talked about. So easy marketing. Mm, or yeah. free marketing, whether it's good or not, I don't know. Well, the movie Habit has already been filmed and it's in post-production, which presumably you can do without coming into close social sure. contact with too many people. Unless you need reshoots, but um, sure. It was directed by Janelle Shirtcliffe. Um, um, Bella Thorne will appear alongside Jackson as a woman who, with a Jesus fetish, who masquerades as a nun to escape a violent drug deal. This doesn't sound like what Jesus oh, Christ would do. Sold. Well, it's kind of like, you know, when you heard the, about the plot of Jojo Rabbit, a young boy who's obsessed uh, with the Hitler Jungen and his imaginary friend is the mm. Adolf Hitler. Right. <laughs> so perhaps it's one of those things. Maybe, you know, she she hallucinates or something. Yeah, right. She's escaping a violent drug deal and she's masquerading as a nun. So maybe she's not really a nun. No. And so therefore she's, you know, she's on the toot. And when she does that, she has hallucinations about... 
you know, she might be smoking a little of that jazz cabbage, you know? Yes, right. I see. Um, and when she's doing that, she might hallucinate um, mm. about Jesus. And mm. uh, in her hallucinations, um, Jesus is a woman. Sure. All right. Well, yeah, so she go. might maybe, be... A, maybe she feels like Jesus. She might be a legibity person, which means that, you know, <laughs> a monastery is absolutely the perfect place to be. <laughs> yes, indeedy. What? Well, that was always a traditional place where, you know, um, if a young lady was a... a, a had proved out to be a vegetarian, they would usually <laughs> would usually end up getting stuck, you know, um, if they were lucky. Oh, my God. If they were lucky in a convent right. and if they were unlucky in an asylum. Oh, I see. That's what happened to JFK's younger sister. Right. Oh, okay. His father had her lobotomized because mm. she was gay. Oh, dear. Mm. So she was a really bright, intelligent, vivacious young woman, and then after the lobotomy, which was botched, she couldn't even speak or oh, feed herself. Aren't people horrible? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the Kennedy family were a criminal enterprise. They were bootleggers who mm. gained respect respectability by putting one of their own in the presidency. Mm. Anybody can become president. Look at who's there now. Yeah. Anyway, um, this is all getting slightly political, which is not what we do here on Moody Group, frankly. So we're going to go with, oh, look at that. This is Holy Holy. Teach me about dying. Topical on Energy Groove Radio. <laughs> Uh, that was uh, Duke Dumont. With, like a holiday, that song. I got you. I know what she means. Mm. I've got STD and all I need is you. Oh, no. <laughs> <sighs> you know how uh, last week I showed you that my phone company uh, had somehow given me 500 gigabytes of data. Ooh, ooh, wait, hold on. This what? is this is topical. Wait, is it? Is it? I don't think it's topical. Um, well, uh, it sounds like we've got another groove traversy. Tell us about your phone company. <laughs> well, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel for things to talk about this week, aren't we? We sure are. So my phone company usually, like I have a 45 gig plan mm. every month. They somehow gave me, you know, 450 gig yes. this month. Yes. And I was like, woohoo, happy days. Yeah. So I decided that I would um, connect my phone to my PlayStation and download a game. Mm. So I did that, and that took about 60 gig of it. So mm -hmm. then I thought, oh, I'll download another one. So I downloaded another one. What games? What a game. I bought, well, I downloaded um, Uncharted 4 just because it's free this month on PlayStation. So I thought I'd just. Yeah, it's an all right. It. It's an all right game. Just it's one it. of those games where, you know. Uh, game, game, game. Sure. Movie. It's more about the movie bits than the game bits, yeah. I find. But yeah, still okay. Um, and I downloaded the Resident Evil 2 remake. Oh. Um, either way, left my phone on Hotspot. Mm -hmm. um, and because uh, it, it doesn't have a password, because I couldn't be bothered typing that into PlayStation. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine how long I'd be there typing that in? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, my gracious. So anyway, I fell asleep. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fell asleep. Checked in the morning yeah. how much data I had left. Zero. Oops. Freaking zero. I'm like, <laughs> wow. Glad to know that my neighbours are <laughs> really trustworthy people. Thank you for connecting to my iPhone, everyone, and downloading all of my data. Wow. Okay, cool. So, well, yeah. So I'm not particularly impressed with my little block of units mm. uh, at the moment. You know, because... keep it keep it secured because yeah, mm. that's what well, I would do. I, I did leave my apartment today, and uh, I left at the same time someone else was coming out of their apartment, going to the bin, and I gave them the eyes. 
I was like, mm, I know what you're doing. You, you're writing my data. And did they do the who me look? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, that's it. Well, that's anyway, my story. Um, with uh, with very little movie news out there, we've got a brand new segment, a bit that we are calling Gardening Groove. Oh. <laughs> Any kills? Uh, welcome to Gardening Groove, uh, Bradley. <laughs> uh, Hello. Uh, eh? we, we've just had uh, a letter from one of our listeners, a Mrs. Elsie Pone is having some trouble. Hello there, <laughs> Elsie. I hope you're not having too much trouble. She's having some trouble with weeds in the garden, Bradley. Have you had any weeds in your backyard, Bradley? <laughs> Do you have any trouble Are with weeds? Are you trying in to be backyard? Peter Peter Cundall? Was Peter Cundall? Yeah. Oh, I crap bigger than him. He's useless. Oh. Doesn't know a bloody thing. Anyway, weeds, Bradley. Do you have any weeds in your backyard there, Bradley? I do, actually, at the moment. Thanks All so. right. Well, uh, what you want there is uh, stuff called <laughs> glyphosate. Now, uh-huh. if you don't know what glyphosate is, it's a very popular weed killer, broad-spectrum weed killer. It kills absolutely everything stone dead. You don't put it on your roses, Bradley, because you wow. want those to survive. But weeds, of course, they'll grow anywhere. Two bits of roses. Two bits of concrete, and they'll just crack up right right. They'll come right up through that crack, Bradley. So my accent is taking a grand tour of the north. Kill me now. So you put some glyphosate on the leaves there, Bradley, and of course it kills the plant stone dead because you see the plant thinks that the glyphosate is food and so it throws it down into roots, right? Uh Kills it stone dead. Uh Never come back at all. So glyphosate, perfectly safe for your pets. Perfectly safe for your children and leaves yeah. no residue in the soil. So if you want to get rid of weeds, Bradley, put some glyphosate on them. Okay, Al. Okay, that's all we've got for Gardening Groove this week. But Is I do it? want to say, as always, uh, 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 if you've got any jacarandas in your backyard, <laughs> then kill the bastards. <laughs> Jacaranda, they're a scourge of the Western world. I mean, they get covered in those purple flowers and everybody goes, oh, the jacaranda's pretty. But then the, th- the flowers fall off within a day oh. and then you get some rain and you've got a great big carpet of brown mush. It smells like a billy goat's cock. Ow. So, you if done? you're out and about and you see some jacarandas, then what you want to do is get your 10 mil drill bit and drill some holes in trunk and then pour in some glyphosate and it'll kill the bastard stone dead. Jacarandas, the roots, the roots will get onto the foundations in your house and bugger it up to the tune of tens of thousands of dollars that you don't have and then the branches will fall off and ruin your roof. Jacarandas, I hate them. Bloody things. Right. Anyway, that's all for this week. Come back next week and we'll have more gardening groove. Thanks, Peter. That was horrible. <laughs> well, some some great gardening tips there. Yeah. The gardening guy's <laughs> never coming back. No. <laughs> Is that your final decision? Yes. Okay. Um, it looked... <laughs> Um, we usually do a thing about dead people learning about now. <laughs> we call it dead for reals. Behind the clouds, the sun is shining. There's a big blue sky waiting right behind the clouds. Well, you're dead now, so shut up. Who's died, Al? Yes, oh, all sorts of people. Mario Donatone, who's an Italian actor who was in Phenomena and Godfather Part 3 and John Wick Chapter 2. Oh. He's dead. Oh. Mm. How'd he die? Uh, doesn't say here. 
We'll just assume COVID-19. We'll just assume COVID-19. There's a, there's a few COVID-19 deaths here. Not as many as last week, oddly enough. Uh, Sarah Maldoror, who was 90, the French, do, French documentary film director. Um, Sam Bigzanga was one of her works. She's dead of COVID-19. Oh. Uh, Rick May, who was an American voice actor. He was in Team Fortress 2, Star Fox 64, and Sly 3, Honor Among Thieves. Dead at 79 oh. of COVID-19. Um, Anne Sullivan, oh dear. She's an American animator. She worked on The Lion King, A Little Mermaid, and Atlantis, The Lost oh, Empire. I, I loved Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Great movie. Uh, she was 91. She's dead this week of COVID-19. Oh. Unfortunately, an animator, they spend all the time at home. <laughs> what was she doing socialising? Danny Goldman, an American actor who was in the Smurfs, MASH and Young Frankenstein. He's dead of a stroke. Oh, dear. Mm, mm, all these people. But uh, we... Uh, oh, look at that. Joel M. Reed, an American film director, producer and screenwriter, responsible for the GI, Executioner, uh, Bloodsucking Freaks, Night of the Zombies, dead of COVID-19. Wow. Oh, dear. Oh, God. Oh, it's a it's a graveyard here. Very we should get Peter in. Me. Look at that, yeah. Hmm? I said we should get Peter in. Peter Gundel? Yeah. Because, you see, if you don't want weeds around your grave, <laughs> when you're burying your folks about uh, COVID-19, when those weeds right, come up, thanks, you just Peter. put some glyphosate on them. <laughs> thanks, Peter. Yeah. Bye-bye. And if there's any jack around them, Nah, that's fine. Kill the bastard. Um, but I did want to talk mainly about, um, well, uh, Bradley, it's been a tough week for me. I've lost two childhood heroes. Two. Have you? Yeah. Mm. Both of them from COVID-19. Yeah. So oh. this is getting serious now. People I care about are dying. Yes. Now it's a problem. Yes. I do, I do want to apologise to our listenership. When this whole thing started, I went like, oh, bollocks, another health scare. The, the media do this every time. They make a big noise of it and it amounts to nothing. Well, finally, it's amounted to something. So I'm happy to say that I was wrong. <laughs> Okay. But not entirely happy because I was wrong about it not being anything and now it's something and people are dying. Yes. In their thousands. I think we hit two million. Two million cases, yeah. Yeah, wow. That's Mm. not good. Two million, that's more than none. It is substantially more than none now. Mm. Yeah, see how good I am at maths. Anyway. Who are these people that you care about so dearly? So, uh, first of all, um, I wanted to throw a spotlight on Tim Brooke Taylor. Well, he certainly is. Timothy Julian Brooke Taylor, OBE. Oh, he finally got the OBE. Did you ever watch The Goodies when you were a kid? No. You never watched The Goodies? No. Right, so Tim Brooke Taylor's character, who uh, was a, a young conservative man, big fan of Thatcher and the and the monarchy, especially the Queen, always dreamt of getting an OBE. And he did get one eventually, oh. despite the fact that his that the, the man himself is nothing like the character in the television show. And mm. he said that was always a major problem with being that show being so popular is when he met people in they private life, that they always assumed like that. that he was that guy and he's not that guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, he was an English comedian and actor. Um, uh, I don't know a lot about his movie career, but I do know that he had a small cameo in the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, okay. Yes, he played a computer technician and got very upset when the computer just kept on asking for more chocolate. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Uh, he was in the Footlights at Cambridge, which has spawned many a great British actor and comedian, as you know. Um, he became wider known to the public for his work on BBC Radio with I'm Sorry, I'll Read That Again, and then in television with At Last, a 1948 show uh, with John Cleese and Graham Chapman, who you may have heard of 
Uh, He was best known as a member of the Goodies, the television series throughout the 70s, picking up international recognition in Australia and New Zealand. And in fact, when they did a live show in in Australia and New Zealand, they were greatly surprised and heartened by the enormous reception they got from the Australian public because, of course, uh, the Goodies was on high rotation in the afternoons. Um, and repeats on the ABC for years and years and years. So if you're a fan of The Goodies and you live in Australia, then you've seen all of the episodes of The Goodies at least seven or eight times. <laughs> <laughs> so Yes, because we don't create much of our own content here. Mm, so, we but, never so, did back then. Um, he's, uh, uh, he was right in the middle of the cream of British uh, comedy. Mm. Uh, right from the beginning, he's contemporaries of uh, all of their comedy greats, such as uh, Marty Feldman and Peter Cook, mm-hmm. um, Ronnie Corbett, Ronnie Barker, uh, of course the Pythons, all those folks. He's uh, he's always been a comedy mainstay. He was one of the original four Yorkshiremen. It's a very famous Monty Python sketch that was originally a sketch before Monty Python was a thing. Oh, okay. Well, there so, you go. Uh, yes, uh, originally it was John Cleese, Graham Chapman, uh, Marty Feldman, and of course Tim Brooke Taylor. Um, but yeah, he uh, he did do very well in the goodies. And um, uh, as far as film goes, he was in The Secret Policeman's Other Ball, which was just basically a stage show that was filmed. In 1989, he was in Asterix and the Big Fight as Cacophonics. Right. He was the voice in the English version. Okay. Um, In any case, uh, he is now dead. And there's been a massive outpouring on Facebook and other social media about how terribly, terribly upset people are at Tim Brookdale are dying at only 79 of COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. um, so uh, yeah, was he? He obviously lived in the UK. I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and uh, and of course tributes from other comedy greats, mm. certainly from uh, Bill Oddie and Graham Garden, the other two member of the Goodies. Very sorry to see him go. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, a major part of my childhood. Oh wow! You know, uh, way back when you had to wait for entertainment to happen in the afternoon at a certain time on a certain channel. So you know, if if Dad came in for dinner early, then that was it. You weren't seeing it. Um, <laughs> and to wait another week. Yeah. Try your luck again. No, it was on, well. It was on every afternoon, and uh, okay. yeah, but it would come back every now and again. But yes, uh, the goodies were awesome. He's dead. No, unfortunately, Tim Brooke Taylor's left us, and we miss him already. And we've also got Morris Mort Drucker. Mort Drucker was an American caricaturist Hmm. and comics artist best known as a contributor for over five decades in Mad Magazine, where he specialised in satires on leading feature films and television series. So stop yawning. (laughs) Sorry. I'm talking about Mort Mort Drucker has died and you don't (laughs) care, you monster. That's a long segment. Absolute monster. So Mad Magazine, which... Yes, I'm aware. You're aware of Mad Magazine. It got a little bit... I never got it as a kid. Like, I never understood... The humour, maybe as an adult, if I read it now, it might make more sense. But well, I'm not really sure what everybody else, uh, how everybody else is aware of Mad. I brought, I bought Mad regularly when I was a kid, mm. and uh, some of it was funny and some of it not so much. But um, it was always uh, the art, of course, uh, as a fledgling illustrator that I really appreciated, especially Mark Drucker and the work of uh, Angelo Torres. Yeah, um, they were brilliant caricaturists. I do caricature work myself, and if you're looking at my caricature work, then you are looking at uh, the influence of Mark Drucker. You know, people who know Mark Drucker's work see it immediately. Um, I do it the way he did it. But so you know, basically, he taught me how. But uh, he was also a brilliant visual storyteller, and so mm. if you look at any of the pieces that he did that were based on major release movies, he had an amazing talent for getting the story to flow. So it wasn't just getting the characters to look like they do in the movies; it was also 
you know, getting an action scene to look like an action scene. Um, uh, so yeah, he was a brilliant artist and uh, uh, probably um, uh, greatly respected in his field. Of course, he stuck with Mad Magazine for over five decades. Back in its day, it was kind of the onion. It's okay. what, like in the 60s and 70s, it, it was to uh, its audience as the onion is now. But over... So no one would take it seriously, obviously. What, no, nobody was going to take it seriously, but it didn't deal with news. It dealt with, you know, television and popular culture. And uh, But I think over time it became a good deal more popular with children and teenagers than it did with its adult audience. And so it kind of, uh, into the 80s and 90s, just kind of stayed the same. It didn't progress um, to any great extent. And of course, it recently wrapped up. I think it was last year they announced that MAD was not going to be publishing in a physical form anymore. And everybody was going, oh no, the end of an era. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but I mean, be honest, when was the last time you actually bought an issue? For me, it was back in 1989. Yeah, right. And I thought, this is getting old. Are they still on the web though? Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, interesting. Um, at the same time, when I was a kid, there was another magazine called Cracked. Yeah. And they were exactly the same thing, only not as good. Eh. And I always viewed Cracked as being the poor cousin. You know, they were the DC to Mads Marvel. Mm -hmm. The same thing, but just not as good. And the artists weren't as good either. Although, um, what was the artist's name? Severin. Um, he was probably the best artist. He died a few years ago now. But um, he was always their mainstay. Anyway, Cracked has uh, more or less evolved into... Uh, a similar thing to The Onion recently. Uh, it doesn't do movie satires anymore. It managed to evolve into the digital age and now it just has articles about popular culture and news and so on and so forth. It's got YouTube videos. It invites contributions from the general public, infographics and stuff like that. So it's managed to stay relevant, whereas Mad just kind of got old, Yeah, which is a shame. Well, I mean, a lot of print publications got real stale mm. and didn't adjust particularly well. Yeah, you got to keep up with the times, man. Well, yeah, but, uh, you know, also, if you have nothing to say, why bother? <laughs> Did it have anything to say in the end? Uh, like I said, uh, it's satire. Yeah. They used to get sued a lot. Um, I'm sure they you did. know, the one of the main people that they listed in the credits at the front of the thing, it was like, you know, the editor, sub-editors, lawyer. lawyers. <laughs> um, because people used to sue them a lot and they just, you know, but they uh, there are laws protecting parody and satire and yeah. they used to use that as their umbrella. You know, as long as you're not directly accusing somebody of doing something illegal or immoral, then you're probably on safe ground. Sure. As long as, you know, quote, a right-thinking person understands that... Um, uh, you know, Harrison Ford doesn't really stick candles up his bum or whatever. I don't like. I'm I'm trying to think of an example and a good example and failing, obviously. But yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, in any case, it's not really Mad Magazine we're talking about. We're talking about uh, the man himself. Um, they're not saying that he died of COVID nineteen, but the symptoms seem to have been similar. He wasn't tested. Right. It doesn't matter now. It's irrelevant. He's dead. Yeah. Um, at the age of ninety one. Wow. And um, and despite the fact that I haven't seen his work for a great many years, I remember it. Um, uh, a lot of it, you know, a lot of the really memorable stuff from my childhood, a major influence in my own work, mm -hmm. the work that is at the moment keeping my family fed. Mm. So, you know, um, I owe him some kind of debt. This is the best tribute I've got. Oh, um, this is it. This, this, <laughs> this is as good as it gets uh, for me. Um, God, his, uh, uh, what happens if I die? Um, well, um, I mean, I'll turn up to your funeral. Do I even get with this? With the other four people. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, we could talk about Drucker himself. Um, oh God, no, let's let's not. Uh, in ninety, he started. He started shortly after the departure of Mad's founding editor Harvey Kurtzman. Um, in nineteen fifty six, it says here, and uh, and worked for them for the next five decades. Blah 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 blah. Praise awards death. Um, He'd not been contested for coronavirus, etc., etc. Look, I'm sorry, Mark Drucker. I love you, man. Bye-bye. And that's all we have time for. It's curtains once again on Dead For Reals. We will see you on the other side. But look at that. We've got a track by Primal Scream. <laughs> that was Fallout Boy with Hold Me Tight or Don't. That'll be don't for me. Thank you, <laughs> Fallout Boy. Pass. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're back on Movie Groove. Uh, there's a show coming up later on, Bradley, which is called... Deep Scan. Mm, deep Scan with... Um, oh, it's Tom. Yes, it's Tom and Aaron. Tom and Aaron. Mm-hmm. What's Tom's last name? Vanderzeel. Vanderzeel. I knew it was something... Um, uh, Foreign. Not foreign. <laughs> I was going to say aristocratic. Oh, aristocratic. That's a Thomas nice word. Vanderzeel. We don't have enough aristocrats these days, do we? I think we've got enough. Oh, do we? We really know. do. They're scum. Maybe I don't actually know. I what said it was aristocratic. Is. I didn't say he was an aristocrat. Yeah. Why would he be working here? Aristocrat. What is an aristocrat? Let me Google this. Come on, give us a dictionary definition of aristocrat because I know what I would say. Um, an aristocrat is someone from the ruling class, usually those with nobility, money, or both. Yeah, so inbred scum with money. Oh. <laughs> so that's not Tom Vanderzeel. Tune in to Tom and Aaron's show that's Deep Scan this evening, beginning at 8 o'clock, I believe. That's right, Al. Yes, from 8 to 10 for all the latest uh, Deep Scan content, which is in their show. <laughs> oh, my God. It's deep and they've scanned it. Yes, sure. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Look, I show up at five, I leave at seven. Uh, this is what happens. I don't know anything about that. Uh, this place. The show is Movie Groove, apparently. Yeah. They don't even want me in the building here. No, they don't. No, we've they, already, we've had emails. They try their best to not let you in. Yeah, but, like uh, a green fungus just... that grows on the walls. <laughs> Can I get rid of it? I should get Peter Cundall in. <laughs> Yo, maybe we could get Peter Cundall yes. to give us some more recommendations mm, yeah. on what we can use on loan. Yeah, Next week. Feeding Peter, weed is like he's a broad spectrum weed killer that won't kill your grass unless, of course, it's buffalo Next week, grass. Peter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we usually, or we have traditionally, and of course you don't necessarily need a tradition. You don't have to do the same thing all the time just because you did it last time. That's true. That's very true. But we have traditionally, at this stage, done a bit called opening scene where we have a look at what's opening in theatres in Australia <laughs> and all around the world. <laughs> yes, and this week, opening... Um, in limited release in the States, and when I say limited, I mean very, very limited, uh, The True History of the Kelly Gang. Oh, really? Yes, if you didn't see it when it had its brief cinematic run in Australia or on Netflix, because it's been on Netflix on the top of the menu for a bit. Uh, Stan, I think, not Netflix. Oh, I'm sorry, Stan. Yes, Mm. Stan in Australia. If you're not in Australia, you probably don't know what Stan is. No, I imagine you probably wouldn't. I don't know if it... 
I'd, I assume it wouldn't have been on any other uh, uh, video on demand system uh, overseas. We're not really sure of the details of the distribution, but in any case, it is getting a brief theatrical run in the States. It's from IOC Films, and uh, yes, it's a biography of famed Australian bushranger Ned Kelly uh, with George McKay, Essie Davis, who you remember from The Babadook. Yes. Uh, Nicholas Holt, um, who's in X-Men movies and... Mad Max, Fury Road. Yes, he's been in a bunch of things. Yeah, he's um, great. Hmm. And uh, I think he was also uh, not cheering. Ah, Tolkien. Yes. There was a recent Tolkien movie where he played that famous mm. author. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Orlando Schwert. And it also has um, uh, Russell Crowe in it. That's right. And it was Russell Crowe's support that apparently got the film the kind of wide distribution sure. that they managed to get for it. Uh, the movie itself, which I have seen, I, I gave a brief review on the show, uh, probably not going to be a crowd pleaser. No, you said it was very bleak. It's bleak and it's arty and um, and uh, it, it doesn't really, I wouldn't call it entertaining. I'm glad I saw it. I don't know if I would watch it again. It's stunningly short. Yeah. Uh, the performances are really, really good. But yes, it's one of those nasty, like Snowtown. dirty. Snowtown was a bit like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's good, I guess. Like Snowtown would be even <laughs> nastier because um, if you've ever seen The Proposition, uh, Which is essentially um, so uh, Guy Pierce is in it, and uh, Ray yes. Winston, yeah. and uh, so Guy Pierce gets captured, and he's got a brother played by um, Danny uh, Houston. Danny Houston plays his brother, and so he gets captured by the cops after a brilliant, brilliant gun battle scene right in the opening. The cold opening is Guy Pierce and his little brother are trapped in a shed, and there's people shooting at them from outside. And as a gun battle, it's brilliantly shot because it's just them in a dark room with holes appearing in the tin, and it's got this really beautiful sound design. So it's really percussive and really tense. Anyway, the captures. Ca- the captures. Let me start again. Sorry, I'm having a stroke live on air. Um, <laughs> the cops capture Guy Pierce's character and say, we want your brother, not you. Right. If you want your little brother to avoid the rope, go get your big brother and bring him here. Mm. Um, and it's uh, it's nasty. It's nasty, dirty, gritty, horrible, fly-blowing little thing where it's not a romantic Western. And American Westerns always have that element of romance. Even something as nasty as Unforgiven mm. or Tombstone, it still has a cleanliness and a romantic sort of a notion to it. Proposition is absent that, and this one is even worse. It paints life in the bush for the poor as being a miserable, poverty-stricken, dusty, fly-blowing existence that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. And it doesn't get better yeah. for the people that are trying to fight their way out. Right. Nor does it for Ned. We all know how... Uh, we all know the end that he came to. Mm. Well, it's, so, a, it's weird. Like you look at the the marketing around it, and you look at the poster for it as mm-hmm. well. You you don't necessarily get that uh, bleakness mm. there. It's almost pop art. The the poster for it. Yeah. Do you remember the the poster for um the Ned Kelly movie? Well, the one I've got here is a fairly traditional one. It's just is got it? heads of people that you would recognise. So oh. Rusty Crow, uh, the main character. Um, has got top billing there. Um, Nicholas Holt and uh, Charlie Hunnam's in it as well. He has uh, a small yes. role as a corrupt cop yeah, who so. shows up to Ned's house every now and again to visit his ma. I'm liking him more and more lately because uh, he was quite good in The Gentleman. Mm. Um, yeah, so no, this is the poster I'm referring to. Ah, that one, yeah. yeah it's quite yeah. pop art. It's got bright pink text and it's it's quite stylized. That one was probably designed for the Australian market. That would yeah. have been the Aussie distributors who yeah. designed that Cause poster. Because we're, we're okay with the Kelly gang. We're... Yeah. 
They're so, like, oh, fun. But um, this poster here, uh, it has the main character in front of a Union Jack. Right. Now, I suppose um, that was the Australian flag up until Federation in 1900. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that fits. But yeah, yeah. Um, they're trying to sell it to the United States audience. It's like when they... Uh, Ned Kelly, uh, the one with Heath Ledger? Yes. And, and Orlando, Orlando Bloom, Bloom when they yeah. were selling it in the United States. Mm. They weren't really sure how to sell it. They went, nobody's buying Westerns at the moment. So they just kind of stuck the main Orlando Bloom and Heath Ledger on the front and then had the silhouette of a gun. Right. Just to let the audience know it has violence in it, but nothing on it said historical movie. Yeah. So Well, it's interesting. This is the the poster for the UK one, which is yeah. again completely different. Mm. It's just it's not even particularly interesting to look at. Yeah, it looks like a gangster movie. Yeah. Which essentially it is. Yeah. The Kelly gang were a gang. Mm. So I suppose they're trying to make it look like something the British uh, public would go and see, and they love a gangster movie, the British public. Do cool, they? blimey. Oh, love yay. a duck. Yay. <laughs> Fish and chips. Um, yeah. Um, so it's interesting that they're releasing it in cinemas now. They haven't delayed it. No. Well, um, I'm assuming it's going to do pretty much the same numbers as it would. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe they had such low expectations for mm. it in a cinema release in the US. Because if you ask any average American who Ned Kelly is, they'd have no idea. Well, I'm I'm going to I'm going to put my neck out right now and say that this is going to hit number one in the box office oh, next week. Wow. Oh, that's a big call. <laughs> now, our little, our our little, little Aussie, Aussie movie that could is going to be number one in the US domestic box office. It might take more than next three week, grand, I'm pretty Al. sure that it will. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, if they if they hammer home the Russell Crowe thing, maybe yeah. mm. it could be number one. I don't know. Does he really have the pulling power that he used to? I don't know. He's getting kind of fat and... Oh, I think it's cute. <laughs> I liked him in Nice Guys. I thought he was great in that. Yeah, no, there is a moment. It was an improvised moment where mm. um, uh, Charlie Hunnam's character says to him, his character name, he says, oh, how are you doing, you fat prick? <laughs> and, they, and they actually caught the reaction to that <laughs> on camera and put it in the movie. You see him going like, oh, really? Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, allow me to respond. So, yeah, that yeah. was quite good. Um, but, uh, yeah, that... Is that it? That, I'm That's afraid, it. is it. That's all. That is everything we have in the opening scene. Uh, so until next week, remember that it is always darkest before the opening scene. Um, next week, ooh, we've got two movies. <gasps> two! Two movies two coming movies out next opening week. This week. At this stage, they're planning on releasing two movies next week. That may have changed mm -hmm. by next week, but who knows? Let's listen to some Bastille. <laughs> Doom Days on Andrew Group Radio. <laughs> Appropriate. <laughs> When I watch the world Ooh, That was Neil Horan with Slow Hands Brackets, nobody's pronouncing my name correctly <laughs> I think a lot of people pronounce it correctly <laughs> It's Neil It's Niall It's Neil BBC, say Niall Well the BBC are wrong Well, They're fine. wrong and I'm correct, it happens oh. all the time I'm not disagreeing with you just to be bullshit. I'm disagreeing with you because you're wrong. Mm -hmm. No. All right, Alastair. Oh. Oh, <laughs> that was a shot across the bow. Oh, well, that's how we say Alistair. <laughs> we? Yeah, Australians. Yeah, Australians. But you don't pronounce anything correctly. No, we don't. We don't even pronounce Big shout out to correctly. people living in the township of Schoon. Schoon. <laughs> not Skyne, as you pronounce it. Skyne. 
How do you go slick? Oh. How do you mispronounce that word so badly that it's got two syllables? Skying. How do you uh, how do you like your scones, Al? Scones, jam and cream. Do you like any good Scotchman? Yeah. And with my porridge, I just put a little bit of salt in it. Yeah. What do you mean? Ooh. You put salt in your porridge. No, you don't. Yes, you do. No, you just put honey or something. You don't put salt. You can put salt like salt first. You can put milk or honey or cream or whatever, but porridge is nasty if it isn't salty. Really? Well, I've never salted my porridge. Your bread and your cereal's loaded with salt. You put sugar and or honey on that, respectively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, I know there's salt in a lot of things. I just know, I I don't really put salt in my porridge. I've got to say. Look, you're um, Australians. You eat porridge wrong. That's you're doing what, it wrong. It's, it's another thing that for. you've been doing wrong since you landed here. You miserable bunch of convicts. I have heard that uh, <laughs> you, you know some people do put salt in while they're cooking the porridge. Mm-hmm. Is that what you do? Or do you sprinkle salt on after? Well, uh, it depends how salty you like your porridge, really. Um, right. I put it in the cooking process, and if you want a bit more, then you put in more. Mm. But uh, when Australians do porridge, they just go like, okay, well, oats, we... water, full stop. Yeah. No, no. I think we treat we treat it as like a sweet thing, so we don't we don't salt it. We we would probably reserve salt more for savoury things. Well, um, get one of those pre-prepared, those packaged Mm. Porridges because it's got plenty of salt in it. I'm sure it does. Mm. Mm. Anyway, um, so uh, there's not a lot going on in movies, but there's a lot going on in the TV at home. So let's check out what's happening as we're living the stream. Yes. Um, and first on the quarantine stream, we have <laughs> the quarantine stream. The quarantine stream. Uh, Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. What? Yes, uh, you know Catherine Bigelow. I don't, Al. She's the Oscar award-winning director that gave us... Um, Zero Dark Thirty? Uh, yeah, there was Zero Dark Thirty. There was... Um, so oh, she's... What um, was one about the bomb disposal expert? It was uh, called The Hurt Locker. Locker. Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker, yeah. So she... Catherine Bigelow, she used to be married to James Cameron. And yeah. uh, she's... Um, She's a, a fantastic uh, female director. She's been in Hollywood forever. Near Dark's from 1989. Best vampire movie ever made. There, I said it. Prove me wrong. You can't. It is. Oh, is this... If you disagree with me, oh, no. that's okay. You can be wrong if you want. Um, so is this a series or a movie that we're talking no, about? No, no, it's a movie. It's a movie from 1989. It stars, oh. it stars Lance Hendrickson. Um, really? Bill Paxton. Ah, oh, Bill. And uh, and a couple of other people that you might recognise. Where Bill's dead now, isn't he? Bill's Is dead. He? Yeah, yeah. But uh, an amazing performance from him as a young man. Yeah. Um. He. Uh, 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 he's oh god well, here it is a boy meets girl girl is vampire girl bites boy and her gang of vampire friends take him under their wing can he handle the lifestyle um, here's a problem it's set in the south I think it's you know Texas or somewhere equally oaky like that and uh, and they're a bunch of really smelly dirty greasy biker types who go around in a camper van and and basically murder people and it's really super gory and visceral um, and uh, and kind of sweet. Now, the ending, I'm not so sure on. I don't know if it was a test audience ending, but in any case, uh, everything up to the very, very last frame is an absolute blast. Right. And, uh, and because it's Catherine Bigelow directing, it's a quality movie. She's, you know, she's been doing movies forever. She did a great thing called Strange Days with Ralph Fiennes way back in the day. Great science fiction. Okay. Badly underrated. It's got Tom Sizemore in it, but don't let that chase you away. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, 
Um, so she's she's well known as I mean she was married to James Cameron. She is well known in Hollywood for being the kind of girl that can mix it with the boys, right? As it were. So this is just coming to Netflix. Um, what, they're, they're showing it on Netflix at the moment. Oh, a, um, right. uh, there's an article here that's highlighting it as one of the things that you should check out on Netflix. Oh, cool. Um, if you've been annoyed by Twilight, and there are plenty of people who are annoyed by Twilight. <laughs> Twilight, no. I was one of those people who jumped on that bandwagon. Um, all props to the authoress uh, of the Twilight series. She's made her money and she's done very well. Good on you. Um, mm. It was, you know, something for the female market. And uh, male nerds don't like that. <laughs> and I'm sorry that I was a supportive voice in that outcry against that terrible, terrible shite. Um, but <laughs> but in any case, this is a boy vampire movie, the way that boys like them. I'm a boy really? and I like them that way. I Dirty, see. gritty, horrible, gory, thought, nasty little piece. When we were talking about this, I thought we were talking about that series, um, the, the series oh, True remake Blood. of... Um, no, 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 no. The Lost Boys, they're turning into a series, you, you've been saying. Oh, that'll be crap. Oh, of course it will. Mm. Anyway, I thought you were talking about this. But vampires are, vampires are not scary anyway. You know, that whole sort of like seduce, seduce, bite, bite thing mm. is not... Uh. How did we get from Dracula to sexy vampires? Uh, well, Dracula was already very sexually charged. Was he? Well, it was the idea of this, um, uh, this tall, dark Lothario coming from far off lands and seducing English women, which was a, a grave threat to manhood in Britain in the early 1900s. I don't trust any man with a popped collar. No, nor should you. <laughs> um, it's pretty much a, they might as well wear a sign that says, I'm a douchebag. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Bill Paxton is, uh, he's uh, an amazing performance in it, uh, chewing the scenery like a cheap steak with big fake teeth on him. Mm. Um, Lance Hendrickson, uh, Adrian Pazdar, right. who you may remember from Heroes. No, never saw Heroes. Hmm. And uh, and the uh, the the female lead in it, I can't remember her name. She was an amazing actress who did, you know, like who was a standout performance and all the things she was in. And then just in her late twenties, went like, yeah, I'd be an actress anymore. Bar this, and went off to do something else. Oh well, as so, you do. Um, yeah, she played a groupie in Pink Floyd's The Wall, mm. and she played the girl who loses her mind uh, because of VR technology in The Lawnmower Man. The Lawnmower Man. Yeah. Oh dear. Fun movie in its time. Yeah. My friends and I used to go and watch it, um, chemically assisted. Sure. That's why we enjoyed it. You watch it without that and it's like, this is rubbish. <laughs> 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 but in any case, um, so that's a brilliant thing that's happening. If you're, if you're in lockdown and you're thinking, what shall I watch? Watch that. Okay. You will not regret it. We've also got a double feature here. Ooh. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and the Mask of Zorro, it says here, make for the perfect swashbuckling double feature. Do I've they? never seen the Mask of Zorro. I've never, never, ever given a shit about Zorro. No. Ever. Uh, is this the Antonio Banderas one and yeah. Zeta-Jones? And the one no. with Anthony Hopkins. Is it's it any pants. good? It's pants. It's pants. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're after something... Along the lines of that Indiana Jones adventure mm. humor. Yeah. Fine. It's yeah. fine. It's like Sahara. You know Sahara? Right. Antonio Banderas is no Harrison Ford. No. <laughs> I mean, you look at Zorro and you're but, like, nothing nothing about your costume makes sense. Yeah. Sahara was <laughs> the one with Matthew Mahogany and Steve Zahn. Yeah. So that, it, that had the same kind of Indiana Jones vibe. Just no on. hat. Yeah. Yeah, and that was it. Was fine. What was the main character's name? Dirk. I have no idea. Something. 
It's apparently there's a series of books with that character in it. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, the whole the fun thing was the fact that you know there was sexual tension between Zorro and Catherine Zeta Jones's character, and then there was was it Sean Connery that's in that one as well? No, Sean Connery's no, in Last Crusade. It's Anthony Crusade. Hopkins you're Anthony thinking Hopkins. of who plays the former Zorro. Yeah, right. And Antonio Banderas yeah. is meant to take up the mantle. Or that's something. right. And so there's some fun interplay between those two as well. Mm. But other than that, it's you know it's pretty pants. There is a great uh, there's a, a parody Zorro movie from I think the early, late seventies, early eighties called Zorro. The Gay Blade. Oh, no. Where... How do um, you know these things? <laughs> um, I can't remember the actor's name. He's a, a, a very flamboyant um, a Latino actor with orange skin. He's always had that deep fake tan. Right. What was his name? Can't remember. Anyway, the plot is that Zorro breaks his ankle, but he has to keep Zorroing. So he gets his twin... <laughs> he gets his twin brother... <laughs> yeah, okay. Who is as gay as the day is long. <laughs> and so uh, it's now being Zorro, but uh, uh, he's 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 having fun with the costume. I think black is, you know, yeah. black is such a dour color. I think yeah. that if I'm going to fight crime, I should make a statement. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, not very progressive. No. Not very progressive as a concept, but it's lots and lots of fun. Uh, <laughs> and it's the only was, it, was it a gay actor at least? Or no, oh, probably. What's the guy's name? Please look him up. Oh. Zorro the Gay Blade. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why do I have to Google these things? Honestly, so because I didn't bring a running sheet, I would have mm. had this information. To no, hand, but, but it's it's this stuff you make me look up on the internet. Yeah. Um, what's Zorro with two R's? Yes. Yeah. Okay. As in, um, as in sorrow. So there's George Hamilton. There's George Rob, Hamilton. There's Rob Liebman as well. Yeah. So uh, George Hamilton plays himself and his brother mm. as Zorro and the other Zorro, right. who dresses in all kinds of fantastic colors. It's an amazing film. Oh, okay. So it's it's a solid Frank action flick and it's funny Gosh. as hell. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So and uh, the last movie that I wanted to have a look at, uh, Eddie Murphy is back. Doing what? Well, that's Eddie Murphy there. Oh, yeah, I've seen the trailer for that. Not Chris Rock. Yeah. Not Kevin Hart. Eddie Murphy. Yes, Al, I'm um, aware. <laughs> not Tracy Morgan. Uh-huh. Eddie Murphy. Uh, <laughs> thank um, you. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> so, um, Eddie Murphy plays Rudy Ray Moore, yes. who was uh, a man who was desperate to show the world his talent in the 70s. Black exploitation was a thing at the time. And there was, you know, American comedians like Richard Pryor were ripping up the stage with their brand new type of, uh, well, some would say foul mouth comedy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nowadays, it seems a little bit tame, relatively. Mm. No, in comparison Um, to this show, yeah. uh, And black stars on television such as, um, oh, the name's gone. The guy who played Shaft, whose name, of course, was... No idea. Damn it. Um, Anywood. Uh, Anywood. (laughs) That's not his name. Rudy Ray Moore was uh, a guy who, uh, he considered himself to be enormously funny and talented. He wanted to sing, he wanted to act, he wanted to make movies. Um, But he really couldn't get anybody to believe in him because, uh, like, his sense of humor, he wasn't funny. Mm. And uh, and his sense of humor was way, way too ribald, really, for any sort of mainstream audience. But... Um, he was not to be dissuaded, and he ended up pulling together a bunch of friends and as much money as he possibly could and made a series of movies um, in the 70s, uh, such as Petey Wheatstraw, oh. The Devil's Son-in-Law, <laughs> and 
<laughs> and uh, Dolomite is my name. Dolomite was a character that he created. Yeah. Um, who was a stand-up comedian and a singer and an actor. Right. And it's a story of how the movie was put together. How he, you know, he scraped together some money. Mm. Um, he managed to get um, uh, a B-list black actor to direct it for him by saying, you know, I want you to be in my movie. No, I don't want to do that. You can direct. And he goes like, bing, okay, that I will do that. Yeah. So it's a lot like Ed Wood, yep. if you've ever seen that one, where somebody who has absolutely no talent, <laughs> no money, no clue, but a bunch of friends who really, really like him <laughs> <laughs> to put together a movie somehow. And uh, yeah, it's hilarious. And you've seen it? And very, very crude. Yes. It's good? Yes, it's definitely worth the watch. Okay. Especially if you have any interest in the Rudy Raymour oeuvre, whose catchphrase was, bitch, are you for real? I won't do the accent. Okay. (laughs) He made a series of terrible, terrible movies, but if you're all interested in the craft of movie (laughs) making, it's not only funny to watch, it's funny to see how they were put together. And Eddie Murphy's good in it? He's great in it. He's for the first, I mean, like he's back and he looks like he's interested and having fun. He's not phoning it in. It's not a paycheck or anything like that. Right. It's, uh, it seems to look like an actual passion project. And cool. as an actor, mm. as we already saw years ago, uh, when he, I think he got an Oscar nomination for a small role in Dreamgirls. Right. Was it Dreamgirls? I'm not sure. I haven't seen It had Dreamgirls. Beyonce in it. I think Dreamgirls was the oh. other movie about an Aboriginal trio who toured Indonesia. No. No. Well, then it was, was definitely the Dreamgirls. Right, the Sapphires, right. <laughs> uh, Dreamgirls was the movie, and uh, yeah. Right. It was, it was basically about being a black artist in the 50s and how you got mm. screwed and underpaid and your music would get uh, appropriated yeah. by white acts and they would make billions of dollars out of it and you would just get nothing. Yeah, that had Beyonce and Jennifer Hudson, you know, mm. and uh, Lir- yeah. Lirita Devine and Jamie Foxx, all that. Yeah. So he hasn't been this good since then. Right. And it's it's terrific. So yeah, cool. um, if you are shut in the house with your kids, put them to bed and watch Dolomite is my name. Keep the volume down. Bit of a language warning on that one. Yeah. And that is all we've got on living the stream. Um, uh, civilization has gone to hell in the handbasket. Here's Twenty One Pilots. <laughs> my blood. On Energy Groove Radio. Iron Maiden there. On Energy Groove Radio. Welcome back to Energy Groove Radio. We're transmitting live from the beautiful city of Sydney and all around the world. My name is Alistair Lockhart, and sitting with me in the studio, as usual, is the nonplussed mm. Bradley Dewance. You Love. don't like Maiden? Ah, oh, Maiden have a time and a place. They're a bit dad rock these days. How uh, dare you, sir? <laughs> I find, in terms of like, I don't know how you describe Iron Maiden's music, it's not really metal, it's not really rock as such it's a bit panto don't you think Al? well back in the day it's like it's a bit it's a bit theatrical isn't it well it's, yeah, it's back campy the, it's um it is at the moment it's, it's of its time you know back mm. then duran duran were the biggest act on the planet yeah um remember them you yeah. the puffy pirate shirts and the eyeliner and the lip gloss oh yes and a lot of hairspray and the video for girls on film mm. i like that video course you do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that was the song that broke Iron Maiden big. I think it came out when I was 12. Yeah. Yeah. So dad rock. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. I can, look, I can, I can appreciate it for what it is. It's definitely Absolutely. dad rock. My son is 12. Yes. So, right. The, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's a generational, it's been a generation since that song came out. It's still good. Hmm. But yeah, but back then, you know, grown-ups would listen to this and go like, oh my God, what is this yeah. noise? This is the end of civilization as we know it. 
So him. no, Maiden is great. Yes. Anyway, a uh, big shout out to my brother. He was a huge Iron Maiden fan when we were kids. Black Sabbath. He was very into metal. Yeah. Which is odd. It's like, you know, Thomas Arnold, he's a man that works here at the SAE. Mm -hmm. Very gentle, lovely, soft-spoken man. But, mm. you know, um, every now and again, he'll be wearing his headphones and he'll go, Thomas, Thomas. And then he'll take his headphone off and you'll hear just very quietly, yeah. blood, death, vagina, chainsaw. Yes. You know, right. <laughs> that's the music that he listens to to relax. No, I know there's a lot of people that, that, that do. Uh, listen to <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's like um, the guy, he's an Australian artist based in Melbourne and he's done the music for the most recent Doom games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's quite the accomplished composer. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, he apparently just has a lot of hardcore metal fans just fangirling over him now and sending him lots of love letters uh, through the internet because of the work he's done on that Doom game. Well, it's great music. Yes. I listen to the Doom soundtrack mm. every now and again when I'm driving. It probably doesn't help other drivers, but I like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's fantastic stuff and rightly yeah. so. I actually want to download the latest Doom game and play it. But, you um, should. But, uh, if that's um, something you want to do. I'm the only person earning money in my house at the moment, so if I don't draw pictures, we don't eat. Oh, well. Hmm. Anyway, um, I, yeah, sure. We've got time for um, everybody's favorite game show audience. It's called Name That, that Stinker. Stinker. Yeah. What are we playing for? Oh, of course. Um, yes, it is Name That Stinker, the quiz show where we give our contestants the descriptor from the IMDb of a movie, three of them, in fact, and what they have to do is Name. from the descriptor, audience, <laughs> Name, Name That, that stinker. stinker, and our carryover uh, champion, of course, this week is Bradley. I won the last time, Al. You did. You I won. I am the carryover champion. You are champion. the carryover champion. You could get the jackpot once again, yes. uh, playing, as always, for the chunky Kit Kat from the vending machine in the hallway, and Which the bonus prize... appeared. And the bonus prize of half a bag of Haribo uh, gummy bears. Oh, I don't even like those. <laughs> well, give them to a friend. <laughs> give them to the dog. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know how to play our game, Bradley. Sure. We give you the IMDb descriptor and you yes. try and name that stinker. And the first stinker is coming up now. Are you ready, Bradley? I'm ready, Al. All right, here we go. Hmm. <laughs> Try not to listen to that, that, <laughs> that audio ID at the beginning oh my God, of that. My God. I'll have to go, la, 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 la. Yeah. Um, okay, so in our first one, recovering from an ambush that killed his entire team, a vengeful vampire slayer must retrieve an ancient Catholic relic, should it be acquired by vampires, will allow them to walk in sunlight. Oh, Several I'm, seconds, I, Bradley. I don't know, man. I don't know vampire movies very well. Oh, let's see if that's the answer. No, I didn't. I, I was going to have a guess. I'm sorry. I don't know vampire movies. Wasn't the answer we were looking for, Bradley? Oh, for you goodness want sake. Oh, okay, well, I'll give you another chance then. What did you want? Go on, guess. Well, I don't know. It's a blade. Uh, no, it wasn't blade. <laughs> that's been on two shows previous. And I, just, I didn't want to go like, here's it. here it is a third time. Maybe you'll get it this time. Uh, no, the, uh, the one we were looking for there is John Carpenter's Vampires. Ugh. Which is a movie from 1998, starring James Wood as the uh, as the uh, uh, vampire slayer. Also stars Maximilian Shell. Who? Maximilian Shell. Okay. You know him. He says. <laughs> he says, "Set power to maximum. We are going through." Oh well, I've certainly heard him yes. every week of my life. That's very famous German actor Maximilian Shell that you can see in the Black Hole and Cross of Honor, and he also dies on the beach at the end of Deep Impact. <gasps> Oh, 
that guy. Daddy. Yeah, yes, Daddy. Oh. Daddy, who dies with, uh, is it oh. Jenna Elfman or is it the other oh, one? Taylor and Maximilian Shell get washed oh. away by a big wave at the end of Deep Impact, despite the soothing words of President Morgan Freeman. No. Anyway, this is John Carpenter's Vampires. Gene Siskel apparently enjoyed this film so much. Um, and James Woods' performance uh, being such a radical departure from his usual fare that he suggested Woods be nominated for an Oscar, oh. which tells us that Gene Siskel, in his later years, was losing his mind <laughs> because that film is terrible. Right. It is terrible. John Carpenter's The Thing is the best movie ever made. And then there's In the Mouth of Madness, which is quite good. And then after that... Yeah, they kind of go downhill. Vampires is a long way down, and then you get The Ghost of Mars and Escape from L.A., and you go, yeah, John Carpenter shouldn't make movies anymore. Okay. Just, you know, go back to the living room, smoke some more bong, and get <laughs> get another check for the remake. Hmm. Um, anyway, that was our first dinker. You failed to get that one, but you can still... Hang on, where's the music? Here we are. Um, you may still, Bradley, get two or three stinkers and you may also spot a running theme through the questions. Are you ready for the second stinker, Bradley? I am, Al. Give it to me. Okay, here we go. La, 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 la. <laughs> two criminals and their hostages unknowingly seat, bleh, seek temporary refuge in a truck stop populated by vampires. Mm-hmm. With chaotic results. Mm, it was chaotic, Al. Several seconds, Bradley. It was. Um, it was from dusk till dawn, Al. Ooh, was it from dusk till dawn? Let's have a look at the board. It was indeed from dusk till dawn. Very well done. We have a board? I never noticed before. Yes, the survey says. Oh. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yes, uh, the movie is from dusk till dawn, yes. which is 19, from 1990. Um, <laughs> you'll remember Salma Halleck. Yeah. Salma Hayek, I should, Halleck, <laughs> not Gurney Halleck, uh, the uh, the royal assassin from the movie Dune, played by Patrick Stewart. Now, Salma Hayek um, has a genuine phobia of snakes, and she always refused to be near them. Uh, so, naturally, when she read the script, she knew that her phobia would prevent her from taking the part, but then Robert Rodriguez lied to her and said that the second in line for the part was Madonna. Really? So she quite literally had several months of therapy to get over her fear of snakes so that she could be in that film instead That's of Madonna. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, there and, you go. Uh, and apparently also George Clooney improvised a lot. When, when she says, you're going to be my slave, and he says, no thanks, I already have a wife. Mm. That was an improvised line, apparently. They were going to cut it, but then they put it in the trailer. Mm. So, thanks, Clooney. Clever. Anyway. Clever. <laughs> so, yes, uh, that's one out of three. Will you get the second out of three stinker? Only time will tell. Are you ready? I'm ready. La, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a vampire tells his epic life story. Love, betrayal, loneliness, and hunger. Several seconds, Bradley. Is it um, is it Interview with a Vampire? Oh, is it Interview with a Vampire? We'll check the board. Survey says, yes, it is. <laughs> interview with a Vampire. It definitely is, Bradley. Well done. That's excellent work there. Two out of three. That means that you definitely win. <laughs> the chunky kick out of the vending machine in the hallway. Yeah, great. Even though it'll give you the squirts. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but you do have a chance to get two chunky Kit Kats from the very machine of the hallway if you go double or nothing. If um, you can guess the theme, you will get two. Well, chunk- it's obvious that the theme is going to be vampire movies from the 1990s. Oh, is the theme vampire movies from the 1990s? 
Yes, it is. <laughs> Look at that. You just doubled your money. <laughs> what money? What Kit Kats? I haven't seen Chunky Kit Kats from the vending machine in the hallway cost money. Yes. I'm now going to have to spend money on two Chunky Kit Kats from the vending machine in the hallway. <laughs> Damn it to hell. Well, look. I can't afford that. I'm the carryover champion. You know that the prizes don't come into effect until the carryover champion leaves. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Anyway, so. sound of movies. I'm quite proud that I've got two stinkers out in a row. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, so this week in The Sound of Movies, um, I do have a movie for The Sound of Movies. Do oh, you? boy, do I ever. Do you? Because it looks <laughs> like you're looking frantically around it. Shut your, your mouth. <laughs> 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 um, yes, obviously. Well, every week we do tend to pick a track that has something to do with the show that we've done. Um, this week it has absolutely nothing to do with the show that we've done oh. because I've just picked something at random. Ah, uh, what have you picked? Oh, look at that. It's a toe-tapper from many a year ago. <laughs> I think everybody knows this one. Um, the there... best vampire movie of them all. Yes. Uh, well, it's not a vampire movie, uh, really, but there is a connection there um, because, uh, of course, uh, John Travolta starred in... Wow, look at him work. John Travolta starred in Greece, which also had Olivia Newton-John, um, who famously had several hits in the 80s, which was when a vampire movie came out called uh, Salem's Lot. So, <laughs> I was hoping that tangent that you were pulling out of your ass <laughs> it was actually going to go somewhere. Was actually going to go somewhere. That was a bit of a stretch. Wore surely, out some shoe leather to get there. Surely John Travolta has been in a vampire movie. Mm, has he though? I can't think of any. Um, mm, I can go to not. the internets and have a look through these vampire no. movies that I have here. Let's well, see. I, I just feel as though, like, if anyone was going to play a vampire, mm-hmm. <laughs> John Travolta surely would be cast in one. Um, anyway. Let's see. Well, Blade, Van Helsing. You know what would be better, Al? The Twilight Saga, Morbius, which isn't out yet, The Lost Boys. Speaking of yeah. vampire movies from the 1990s, yes. did you ever see Queen of the Damned with Aaliyah? Oh, no. We should play Aaliyah. Oh, She's we should play Aaliyah. She got some all right. Well, then instead of that old bollocks from George Volta. But did um, you see that? No, I didn't. Apparently, it's not very good. No, it has Jonathan Townsend in it. Yeah. Stuart Townsend. Stuart Townsend. Stuart Townsend. Yes, he was nearly Legolas. In yes. The, um, no, sorry, um, Aragorn. He was very what? nearly Aragorn in the uh, so Lord of the Rings movies. What, what happened to him? How do you spell Aaliyah? Uh, double A. Uh, double A. L. L. I. I. Ooh. Y. A. H. I feel... That is uh, how you spell it. Why? 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 Alia. No. No? No, we're not getting anything from there. No, no, no. Alia. No, there's a Y there, Al. Oh, Listen God. to what I say. Double A L Y A. No, no, no. He's never going to get it, everyone. Never, I am going to get it. <laughs> it's A double A A. A. L I I Y Y Oh God A H A H Really? All right, man. God, they had to go that far to give the girl a name. It had <sighs> to be easier than that. Anyway, so Stuart Townsend. Hey, uh, I was looking him up the other day because I was like, whatever happened to that guy out of Queen of the Damned? Um, he was married to Charlize Theron. Oh right. Did you know? I didn't know that he was married to Charlize Theron. He's dead. What? He'll be dead before morning. I'll have his head for that. <laughs> he touched my darling Charlize. I'm not going to put up with it. Either way, um, <laughs> he, I think he got 
done for something like uh, oh, he's an actor. Yeah, he's Irish as well. So <laughs> oh dear, drunk I, something. Yeah, I feel like drunk there and was, disorderly, drunk driving. Which one was it? There was something <laughs> to do with um, domestic abuse. Oh dear, yeah, physical argument. Oh look, yeah. the Irishmen—they get drunk and they punch you. Yeah. When will you learn? You know, <laughs> Irish ladies are hardy, but, you know, the rest of the world, they really have to know these things. Anyway. Anyway, Queen of the Damned is filmed in Australia. Enough and of this unnecessary good. racism, Bradley. But it starred Aaliyah as the Queen of the Damned. Obviously. Aaliyah, who, is, who sadly left us. She passed away. Yeah, she died in a plane crash. Yeah, she died um, in a plane crash, which is... Um, which wasn't good. Um, the plane was overloaded hmm. with um, luggage that was hers, I believe. So in memoriam for Alia, who left us far too soon because she was a very talented young lady, a star of Queen of the Damned, and uh, the creator of this track, which is called More Than a Woman. And until next week, between five and seven, for more movie madness, enjoy your lives. (laughs) 